Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. You can follow in your pew Bible or up on the screen. It's a story you've heard before. It shows up in three out of four Gospels. Not too bad. Listen to what God has to say to us today. One day they got into a boat with his disciples, and he said, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he, Jesus, fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And after waking up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Then he said to them, Where is your faith? They were terrified and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waves? And they obey him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning once again. It is so great to be with you and to see you all here today. I want to say hi to those online worshiping with us on Facebook and YouTube and, um, and on sermon podcasts later this week. I want to start out today by, by telling you a story from uh, my recent travels in South America. Is that okay? I know. I know the answer. Um, as you know, I was down in Brazil for a little while this last August, and I took a trip to the southern part of Brazil to a place called Foz de Guazú. And I'll show you some pictures as we go here. Um, this is a place where Brazil and Argentina meet down in, the, in, that, in South America, and they share a border right where, they, where the largest waterfalls in the world are located, Iguazu Falls. And my first day, uh, my friend Arthur and I went to, the, to see the Iguazu Falls on the Argentinian side in a place called the Garganta do Diablo, or the Throat of the Devil. It's a good name. The, the reason that they give it this name is that it's a place where you can stand right on top of the waterfall. It drops like 238 feet, something like that, two times as high as Niagara Falls, and it goes straight down, full of power and force. It's amazing. You're standing there completely in awe. I would say it's almost a religious or spiritual experience because of the amazing force that is on display. On average, 39,000 gallons of water go over those falls every second. Every second. That's five Olympic-sized swimming pools per second. In the rainy season, as much as 3.4 million gallons go over per second. It's a lot of water. I was taking these videos while I was there, and I kept saying the same thing. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is so crazy. Like, I had no adjectives. I lost superlatives. I ran out of superlatives. <laughs> I lost my mind. You know, there are times in our lives when we can be kind of overwhelmed uh, by awe or wonder when we see something like this. Maybe it's a waterfall that catches our breath, or the waves on the ocean, or looking up at a, a mountain majesty, or, you know, seeing the stars in Tahoe at night when they're so bright. We can catch our breath at the awe and wonder when we see... Uh, a bride walking down an aisle, or a newborn baby wrapped up and so full of the freshness and newness of life. There's an intensity of, of awe and wonder we can experience. 
But you know, not all intense, um, awe-inspiring experiences are so good. I'm thinking of situations like an, a medical emergency. It's a, it's a moment where there's something happening that's very important to pay attention to right now. You have to make quick decisions, maybe calling paramedics or going to the ER, springing into action. Thinking of if the market drops one day and you watch it going down, you say, how do I need to respond or react? I'm in a crisis because will I be able to live in these financial circumstances? Or the point in a relationship where you wonder, is this really the right person for me? The crisis moment can come when your kids move out of the house and you are an empty nester, off to college or off to work, and, and you're suddenly there on your own, at least until they boomerang back. But that's a different story. There are intense moments in our lives. These past years have especially raised up for us the realities of mental health in all its forms and the way that um, we've been impacted by that. Not just people who end up in the custody of police or in an emergency room setting, but in our own families, in our own lives. It's a crisis. In a lot of ways, there are also crisis moments in our faith where we look at the events of the world as they go on around us in our country, in our world, or even just outside our doors, and we ask, how can our faith how can my faith be something I can rely on when the storm comes and the crisis hits? Is Jesus really the one I can trust in, that I can pray to, that will walk with me? So the throat of the devil, the Garganta do Diablo, is a real place at Iguazu Falls in South America where the water flows powerfully down. The mist rises up. It's loud. It's overwhelming. It's intense. There are throat-of-the-devil moments in our lives, too, where you just don't know how it's going to turn out. And I'm looking around the sanctuary just right now, and I know some of you have been through those exact moments. Let me give you another image to set aside this one, the waterfall, the throat of the devil. Here's another one. How many of you like roller coasters? Anyone like roller coasters? You freaks. Um, some of you get a kick out of roller coasters. I do not. The thing with a roller coaster is this, uh, at an amusement park, it's designed to bring you through a series of emotions and feelings. You know? You get on to the ro roller coaster ride full of anticipation. What's it going to be like? Then those guardrail things go down, and you clip into it, and you realize there's no going back. There's no getting out of this ride. The ride starts slowly moving forward as you climb and build expectation up the track. You know, you can hear it sometimes. Click, click, click. I think Great America has a ride called the Grizzly. It's all made out of wood. It feels like it's going to fall apart at any moment. Click, click, click. Then all of a sudden, you're off. Zooming and zipping around, twisting and turning, you're out of control. Your stomach is in your shoes, sometimes literally. Um, some people love it. Some people hate it. But everybody knows that at the end of a roller coaster ride, even through all the twists and turns, you will safely arrive at the end, right? In a roller coaster setting, there's no real danger, even though you feel that there is. Told the story before, a couple of years ago, my dad and I were down at Disneyland with our family, and we um, got onto the Space Mountain ride. And we're not big roller coaster people, but we were being good sports with the kids, and so we went onto Space Mountain. 
And if you know that ride at Disneyland, then you'll know it's, it's a roller coaster inside of a big enclosure, and it's in the dark, right? It's a roller coaster in the dark, and so you can't see what's coming up. You can't anticipate. You can't lean one way because that will help you. So we were there, my dad and I, getting banged around, back and forth, up and down, left and right, holding on for dear life, praying for this ride to be over. <laughs> Finally, we got to the end, and we turned to each other and just said, let's never do that again. <laughs> As we pulled into the loading and unloading area there on this roller coaster, the security bars lifted, and everybody got out, and more people got into the seats. But our bar didn't lift. <laughs> it stayed down. And so we... we <laughs> called to the attendant, oh, oh, sir, our bar didn't lift up. You know, we can't get out of our seats. And he said, oh, good news for you. You get to go a second time. <laughs> and off we went. That's a true story. We barely survived. But if you are stuck on a roller coaster, even for the second time around, you still know this truth. At the, the ride's going to end. It's going to be okay. You're going to get out of it. You'll be fine. There are, though, other circumstances in life that aren't that way, where you are not so sure. You do not know how this is going to turn out. Jesus was out on a boat trip with his disciples going across the Sea of Galilee. And while they were out there, he found a nice little cushion, and he curled up for a catnap right in the corner. Jesus was asleep in the boat. The disciples were sailing it across. While he was asleep, a storm came up, a sudden storm, and things got intense. I've never been there myself, but Pastor Erica and a group from our church here were recently in the Sea of Galilee just this, this past year, and we are told that it's common for sudden storms to come down into the Sea of Galilee because of its proximity to the mountains nearby. The text of the Bible says that a windstorm swept down over the lake. And the boat was starting to get swamped and filled up with water. You can imagine, then, how big the waves would have to be to get over the side, how much water there would have to be to start filling the boat to that point. It was a big storm. But unlike a roller coaster ride, it was not clear in the middle of that storm how it would end. One thing we know about the disciples, many of them, Jesus' first disciples, they were fishermen, right? They were boat people. They were folks who spent most of their lives out on the water. They had been in and out of boats, in and out of situations and storms throughout their lives. So it's striking to us that in this storm, they felt compelled to wake him up full of fear. They, they felt as if we are actually going down this time. We don't know how to manage this or handle it. So they say, Master, Master, we are perishing. We are sinking. We are going down in the storm. These guys weren't amateurs. They weren't the skittish types who cry wolf at the first raindrop that falls. They were pros, and they were very afraid. It's as if they were in the throat of the devil, that moment of intense experience where something is happening that's too big to handle themselves, too large to figure out. And I wonder if you've ever been in a boat like that or a storm like that or if you are even today. You know, when you're in a crisis moment in a storm setting in your life, 
where the pressure is high and the stakes are real, it can be hard to see anything else except for what is right in front of you. Isn't that the way? In a crisis, you focus on just what's in front of you, just what you're compelled to deal with. You don't have the capacity to see much further or understand things much, in a much deeper way. You're in survival mode. The disciples face this in their little boat in that big storm. So down in Iguazu Falls, down in South America, standing at the top of the waterfall and looking down into the throat of the devil with all its power and fury, you saw some of those pictures. After we had done that, had that experience on the Argentina side, the next day, my friend Arthur and I, we went over to the Brazil side to see the falls from a different perspective. We were looking at the same basic thing, waterfalls, but we saw it differently because we were way back. On the Brazil side, we are no longer right up close in the middle of the, of the waterfall. Instead, on this side, you have a path that goes all along where you can see the Iguazu Falls. It's actually not one falls. It's a series of 275 different waterfalls that converge and spill over. There's so many of them, in fact, you can't take a single picture. This is not a picture of the whole falls. It goes on and on and on. The more you walk, the more you see. Maybe a drone could capture the whole thing. The reality of the, of the Iguazu Falls is it's much bigger than just the mouth of the devil. It's a much bigger experience and setting than just that one intense point. So we walked along and marveled at these waterfalls. We could see where we had been the day before. And we remembered that the day before, we didn't know all this existed. We couldn't see it from where we were standing that day. Only when we stepped back to the other side could we see the bigger picture. For the disciples in the boat, the bigger perspective, there was a bigger perspective waiting for them, available to them when they were in the middle of that storm. Because they were afraid and they were worried, they were struggling, they were uncertain about the future, they had problems that threatened to overwhelm them so they could not see it in the moment. But then Jesus wakes up from his nap he speaks to the wind and the waves, and they cease. There was calm, and the disciples say, Who is this that even the wind and the storm obey him? Who is this that has such power over the forces of nature? Who is this, and what can it mean for our lives? Jesus says, Where is your faith? Kind of seems like a harsh response, doesn't it? I mean, you're getting sunk in a boat in a storm. You're being overwhelmed by the throat of the devil. You're, being, you're facing some situation in your life, and Jesus is saying to you, where is your faith? But I don't think he means, where is your faith that says nothing bad will ever happen to you? I don't think he means to say, where is your faith that says God will never give you more than you can handle? I don't think he means to say, where is your faith that says the problems of this world or of your life aren't that bad or aren't that real, so don't worry too much. I think the larger perspective that Jesus wants his disciples to gain is this truth. He is in the boat with them the whole time. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. He's in the boat with you. The storms and problems of this world are very real. We don't have to minimize that. Our Christian faith acknowledges that, the realities of this life. 
but we also acknowledge a greater truth, that through it all we believe in God's presence with us. That's actually one of the names of Jesus given in the Bible, isn't it? Emmanuel, which means God's with us. God with us. And I want to give you this perspective today, reminding you of it wherever you are. It's that Jesus, the one who is sent by God into the world that God loves so much, into a world full of trouble and pain and hurt that threatens to overwhelm us, this Jesus is here for you and with you even today. God's presence with us in our lives can make all the difference. I was talking to somebody this week, and she had experienced a loss, a huge loss in her life. And she said, I know that God is with me in this. It's the only way I'm still alive. We can ask questions of this story. I hope we will. Things like, why doesn't Jesus calm every storm? Why doesn't Jesus heal every disease? Why doesn't Jesus return every prodigal son or every prodigal daughter? Why doesn't Jesus break every addiction? Why doesn't Jesus fix every marriage? Why can't Jesus mend everything that is broken? But before we know it, instead of following the will of God in our lives, we turn it around so that God is hard at work answering what we want to have happen, granting our wishes. And that isn't really faith in God at all. It's playing God ourselves. In the Old Testament reading that we heard today from Job, God speaks out of the whirlwind and says to Job, one who was questioning every move that God had made, and basically says to him, humble yourself, O mortal. Who are you and where were you when I did all of this? O person who has limits and cannot see beyond the edges, be humble. So we need to be humble when it comes to figuring out exactly how or where God is working. As we humble ourselves, we're able to see what God is actually doing at work in our lives, showing up in a moment of need, able, active, in the boat. The promise is not that God will help, will be your most helpful employee as you CEO your way through life. Instead, the promise is that though storms threaten you and rage all around you, Christ will be by your side. The love and care, the forgiveness and hope, the justice and mercy that Jesus brings to you offers a different perspective than you have when you're just in the crisis, when you're just getting beaten down in the throat of the devil. So if you have been in the throat of the devil this week, or at some point in your life and you're thinking back on that time, I offer you this encouragement. Jesus is closer than you know. Will you turn to him again? Will you trust him again? Will you pray to him again, asking for help and seeing the reality of his presence with you? You know, we're all called through our lives to a deepening faith in Christ, one that can ride out storms that go beyond this present moment, a faith that can help us to receive the joy of the Lord, which is offered to us again today. So may it be so for you this morning. Amen.